0: Welcome back to the Two Guys Named Chris Show. Our friend Lisa Lanier is the official attorney of this program. She joins us every week at this time. We do something called Lawyer Up, where she goes inside at least three legal cases, solves them, answers our questions. She can do it for you as well as president of Lanier Law Group. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm
1: fantastic. How are you
0: guys? Doing very well, thank you. Let's get right into it. First, an email from a P1 who says, this is COVID-19 related. This is all we know. He said, there's a, a director at my workplace whose wife got sick with coronavirus. He didn't tell anybody in his department she was even tested until afterwards when he found out there was a disciplinary action if we don't report possible contact with a coronavirus case. Now she's positive. We have been in direct contact with him for several days, and he, after he knew she was being tested, he finally reported it. We felt like he was too late. We feel he willfully and neglectfully endangered our lives. We're suing him and we're suing the company. Do we have a case? Lisa, that's all I know about it. Fairly bare bones there. But what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, it's enough to tell you that, unfortunately, I don't think he has any recourse in North Carolina. It's generally believed, you know, this is all new territory with the coronavirus, but it's generally believed that states like North Carolina, who have a strong workers' compensation structure in place, that that is the controlling law, and and that's in a lot of states, the majority of states. In fact, your only recourse in a state like North Carolina when you are injured at work or contract a disease at work is the workers' compensation system. Our state went kind of one step further, and there was legislation introduced pretty early on during the coronavirus outbreak that gave essential employers immunity against being sued for spread of the virus. And it's even in doubt whether you could collect workers' compensation benefits if you contract the coronavirus, because you have to follow the workers' compensation rules that govern when there's an, an illness contracted like this. And they have to do with, you know, how do we know you got this mm-hmm. at work, right? So mm-hmm. the, the legal standard is your job has to put you at a greater risk of contracting the virus than the general public. So you're talking about People with jobs like healthcare workers and police being the most likely candidates to be able to recover if they actually contract the disease. So I don't know what this P1 does, but it, it didn't mention being a worker that was in the higher risk. Right. So he may even be out of luck if he contracts the disease.
0: Man, he's just messed up every way he turns. I'm gonna write him back and yeah. say, forget it, dude. Just drop <laughs> it. Mm, it dude. ain't happening. Sorry, dude. Yeah, sorry, man. You just. At the rate you return emails, he could be dead. Yeah, <laughs> might be. I got this about three weeks ago. He could <laughs> be on a be. Well, hopefully,
1: hopefully, by now, yeah, hopefully by now he does not have it. No, and, I hope not. And he may be one of those. You know, He could be one of those workers. If he does end up contracting it, it's at, wor- at least worth looking into whether or not he's one of those workers that's at greater risk than mm. the general
0: public. Okay. And then the he could get... At least some benefits out of it. I wonder, you know, a lot of times if you have a, uh, like when I went to the dentist Mm -hmm. and if you go to any sort of doctor's appointment, they'll always ask you the same questions. Are you being, have you had any of these such and such symptoms? Have Mm -hmm. you traveled to any of the following states? Do Mm -hmm. Do you know anybody who is currently under the testing protocol? I wonder how many people are lying about those. Good question. To go to the dentist, yeah. Talk. yeah, if you've been to a hot spot and then you just if you've say, been to a hot spot or, so yeah. What if you answer yes? If you say. if you go I don't to, know. The, do they just turn you away? Do you know that, Lisa? If I go to my dentist and they say, have you been to this area of the country? Not Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the last one. You haven't been to Myrtle Beach, have yeah, you? <laughs> yeah, you, if you've been anywhere except. Uh, I have been to Myrtle Beach. The Grand Strand. A I few times. Been, I've been to Myrtle Beach. We can take you. I love Myrtle Beach. <laughs> That's my spot. That is. Uh, Myrtle. <laughs> so what do you think if I say, yeah, I've been to Myrtle Beach, what will they say to me? What? <laughs> 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 uh, Myrtle. Net drops from the ceiling. <laughs> 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 yeah, That's not right. That's my spot. That would be first on my list. Uh, places that's to turn that's you my away. spot. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. so do they turn you yeah. away? I guess they do if you've been to a hot spot, right?
1: Yeah, if you've been to a hot spot. I mean, a lot of those people, those questions came from when it first broke out and they were talking about have you been to China have you been to you know but now they are looking at what you know like interstate travel like if you're trying to get into New York you are really red flagged if you're coming from a hot spot state because their numbers are on the decline Mm -hmm. and so they're quarantining people who come from North Carolina into New York for example Uh, South Carolina same thing they're getting quarantined if they try to get into a state that's now on the rebound And so some some places are also doing it for cities. Like you said, if you've been to a hotspot location, then they're not going to let you come in and have services at their business. And they're allowed to do that.
0: Which is the key idea behind tracing. Yes, the contact tracing. Where have you been? You can't lie to us on this. That's right. I know I shouldn't feel this way, but New York's stopping people from the south for coming in. Bit much to me because y'all been coming down here for years. No kidding, no kidding. <laughs> and when it broke out, they were all mm. there. went to their summer homes. Also. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh-huh. They did that. Now they're stopping mm-hmm. us well, for years. Y'all just moved down here and buy beach houses. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, we could have closed early. <laughs> we should have. They, they just <laughs> did. did it. They just we did. It. I mean, their schools are mm-hmm. open up there. We should have closed to them. Mm-hmm. So don't come in our way. Thank you. Okay, here's the next story. Also <laughs> coronavirus related. A mother from Brooklyn. This is New York. Also pointless regional jingoism noted, Biggie. I, I, support I support that. I don't know what that means. Uh, I support it. <laughs> Look, see? He's using those New York terms. Uh, yeah. It's jingoism. I don't know what that means, boss. Go back home. Yeah. All right. Stay where you are. This is why we'll never be on in New York. <laughs> A Brooklyn mother. <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn was traveling with her six children and was forced off a JetBlue flight in Orlando on Wednesday. She had six with her, yeah, of different ages, different ages. One is two years old, and she couldn't keep her mask on. Her they were flying back to Newark. She could not keep her mask on the child. Kid kept taking the mask off. Flight attendant came by and said, "If you don't keep the mask on that kid, everybody's gonna have to get off the plane, and you're not going to be able to fly." She said, "You realize my daughter is two, right?" They said, yeah, doesn't matter. We have a policy. We can't change it. Now, the, po- the policy is somewhat muddled. As of now, it's all travelers, two and older, must wear a face covering over their nose and mouth throughout the journey. What happened was the pilot got everybody off the plane. They cleaned it, let everybody butt her and her kids back on. She flew somebody else. Now she's saying, I'm getting a, I'm getting a lawyer. Her husband's saying the same. What do you think here, Lisa? Does she have a, does she have a lawsuit?
1: So there's actually it's interesting. There's no federal law that requires that you wear a mask on an airplane. This is all voluntary policy making by the airline. Mm-hmm. The FAA regs allow airlines to create policies and enforce them for the safety of passengers, and they allow people to be deplaned if their conduct is in any way interfering with the flight. You know, and if it so here, their policy at the time this happened, the JetBlue policy had an exemption from the mask requirement. For very young children that's all it said which was vague mm-hmm. and now they've since clarified it because of this incident and they said what we mean by that is if you are two or older you have to have a mask on so basically if you're a baby you know if you're under two mm-hmm. um, baby or toddler then you, you can be exempt from it so you know they there was a little bit of lack of clarity in the policy but under the FAA regs usually the airlines prevail if people sue them under this sort of deplaning type of an incident because it's it's in the airline judgment, you know what, what is interfering with the flight and what is interfering with the safety of others, and they tried to get her to deplane, and she would not, and so that's when they had the the pilot eventually got frustrated and just deplaned everybody, mm-hmm. and so it ended up, you know, and you know these things are there's just a little exercise of common sense in some of these situations. It is very difficult to keep a mask on a two year old. I mean, it's just almost impossible. And the other people on the flight were like, look, she's two. It's okay. Let's just get on with this flight. They were coming coming to her defense. But, you know, so, I mean, I think a little exercise of common sense might have been like, let's go ahead and fly with this two-year-old. But that's not the path that they chose. I don't think that they're going to be vulnerable to any kind of um, Mm -hmm. ramifications in the lawsuit because of it. But it wasn't necessarily the best outcome.
0: I'm with you. And I think their policy is bad now. Two and up, I would say really four or five and up because two-year-olds are not going to keep that mask on. It's like most places, wow. most public stores and places, uh, babies just don't. Yeah. You know, and, and I do mean uh, ba- under under four. I think four, really I, I think four is about the right age. I think it's really tough to make a four-year-old do anything I, like agreed. that. Agreed. I mean, four to five is about as early as you can get them to actually keep something like that yes. on. Now, on their side, yeah. two-year-olds will spray snot and stuff all over the place. They're always yeah. touching oh, well. they touch yeah. their fingers. They lick. They, they you snot know, a lot. They snot a lot. I mean, that's the truth. This has to be the first incident yeah. ever that people have come to... To say, leave the baby on the plane. Uh, yeah. Nobody <laughs> does that. Right? right. Yeah. Nobody does right, that. Exactly. That's true. That's Let true. the baby fly. Let's <laughs> talk tampons for a minute. I know Lisa has. Uh, she actually sent this story, and so this is an interesting one from Michigan. There is a tampon tax lawsuit that may. It's from a group called Period Equity, and it's from a group supporting three Michigan women. Filing a lawsuit, they feel that taxes on the purchase of menstrual products is sex-based discrimination. The state of Michigan makes over $7 million a year on taxing tampons. Really? Yes, Dave. Really? crazy. $7 million a year on a tampon. Just on tap. that one product, on though. That that's one amazing. one product, tampons. Exactly. Apparently, the plaintiffs are asking that refunds get issued to those who paid menstrual product taxes over the last four years. So they've got a $25 million lawsuit. And if you've had a period in Michigan over the last five years, you'd do some money. If what if you're traveling? Just say the Uper. <laughs> you'd like to prove that, wouldn't you? Or Mackinac. <laughs> I had my period in Ann Arbor three years ago. <laughs> Homecoming weekend. <laughs> Lisa, will these women prevail? And is it common in states that women do or don't pay taxes, state taxes on tampons? I wouldn't know so you know you've walked in and had to buy the product i have bought the product i've never you know it's something that we don't like to do i buy them at costco so i get them a thousand at a (laughs) time yeah (laughs) and so therefore i don't know if i've paid taxes on them or not what do you what's the deal here you have you
1: have paid taxes on. so historically sales tax was applied to these products and that's been the case for a long time What happened was, I like this story, because there was a bunch of women sitting around in in New York again. We're back to New York. And they were drinking wine and eating sushi and griping about how much they have to pay in tax on menstrual products. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to do something about it. So they got together and they got financial backing from a company called Lola that is a tampon subscription club. And they gave them the money to start this period equity group. And they've had a tremendous amount of success in getting the law changed here. And their argument is, you know, the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment clearly prohibits levying a tax just on men or just on women or any protected class, right? Mm-hmm. That would be illegal, and mm-hmm. we all get that. And what they're saying is this is the same thing because only women use these products, so women are being taxed unfairly, and there should be a sales tax exemption for these products. Mm-hmm. So what they've done is they filed these lawsuits in a number of states. They've succeeded in 10 states so far in getting tax exemption for the products. There's legislation pending in 22 states, and it's not a, an insignificant amount of revenue. As you said, mm-hmm. Michigan, it's $7 million a year. Nationally, it's over $150 million a year in tax revenue that's collected on these products. So the interesting thing about it, these states, bipartisan, are supporting these women in introducing legislation to remove this tax, even though I don't really think they would succeed if they ended up, go taking their litigation all the way because the precedent in the Supreme Court is that if a policy accidentally, unfairly impacts men or versus women, mm-hmm. you know, disproportionately, then it isn't necessarily an unconstitutional piece of legislation or, or government action. There was a case back in the seventies where a VA policy for veterans way, way, way disproportionately helped men. Like ninety nine percent of the recipients were men mm-hmm. and people sued and it was upheld. So I think that you know it may be that they would lose ultimately if they took it all the way, but they're making such a strong point, and it's it's resounding. With lawmakers, and so they're succeeding in getting these taxes removed.
0: Hmm. But that money, that revenue's got to be made up somewhere. They'll have to put a little. Exactly,
1: of, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah they'll, yeah,
0: they'll put a tax on something. But Biggie's—he's uh, making a. Yeah, I just think I never would have thought of that. I just think taxes are taxes. taxes. You don't sit around yeah. drinking wine, eating sushi, yeah, thinking about your yeah. menstrual cycle. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about yeah. your period. I <laughs> right. me too. I never know what I pay. I just pay the bill, yeah. and I don't know where the taxes go. You know, the sales mm-hmm. tax. Like that yeah. for some reason, I don't know, it hits me wrong. And how. how how far does it go i mean if it's that because it's a natural occurring thing mm-hmm. in females what other items are that's, sold out there that could be you it, say hey take the tax off of that's right what, toilet paper because well, we all, but everybody, everybody buys it. that. Everybody would use that. Yeah. yeah, but it's a natural occurring thing that, that you have to. Yeah, deal but it's not with. disproportionately men or women. I think that's where the crux of it is: is that yeah. only women would buy it? I th- is there anything that only yeah. men buy that they absolutely have to buy? I thought condoms, but women buy them for their men, uh, and you don't have to buy them. You porn know? magazines had to have them. Porn mm. magazines, but that was younger. That's. I, I don't think. I don't think there's anything men really have to buy that women that women don't so i th- you know they're probably or maybe
1: all- like the the athletic you know like the jock strap or the protected cup women don't buy
0: those no maybe but good. women buy sports bras right and that I'm yeah sure that's true all of yeah. those are taxed I don't know. I, I was women. against it when you. I was against these women when you started, but um, naturally, <laughs> always you have to be talked into it. You have to be banged over the head with a bat. I'm sorry, but these ladies. I guess yeah. I, just, I just think of things, the goods and stores, as being taxed. Just every, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. But the, but. The. But then again, if she came up real angry at the counter. <laughs> Then All right, you, it's towards, you don't
1: want to you don't want to mess with these yeah. women yeah. That yeah. it's that time of the month. Thirteen
0: fifty-seven. I of not pay fifty-seven cents. Take it, just take it. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. See, then, you, then you lose the tax and, and the money on the product. Product. on the product. I'll, I'll cover the fifty-seven cents. Just yeah. go. Yeah. Let the tax go. Then take it right out of Please. your pocket. There is a, a bombshell story today out of Canada. There is a Canadian fashion mogul there named Peter Nygaard. I believe he has a uh, fashion line called Nygaard. Isn't that right? Is that something? I don't think I know the name. I th- I, as I was reading, it, I was like, is this a thing or is it not? Anyway, he's a fashion mogul. He's 79 years old. He has two sons, and they are both alleging rape, not against him, but that when they were teenagers at age 14 and 15, one of them is much older now. One of them is about 18. The other one is uh, much older. But when they were 14 and 15, respectively, he took them to women And had them lose their virginity and said, I want to make a man out of you. So now they're suing him for this, their Mm. own father. Class action lawsuit, uh, apparently he's also is uh, facing a separate class action lawsuit by 57 women saying that he's used violence, intimidation, bribery, uh, company employees to sexually assault them. So he's in a lot of trouble there. But the two kids have glommed onto it as well. Lisa, what in the world? Have you ever heard of anything like this? That's crazy. It's
1: crazy. Yeah, it is crazy and it is a developing story. The FBI just recently raided his New York residence and uh, so there's a criminal investigation that's ongoing and it's very Epstein-like. It is he had a he has a residence in the Bahamas and the allegation is that he was bringing 14 to 16-year-old girls there mm. and that they were being drugged and raped and involved in entertaining his guests with sex. And so it is uh, it is an evolving Epstein-like story. He's interestingly, you know, he's denying it and um, he's fighting it on um, a jurisdictional defense, saying that he doesn't have sufficient contact with New York to be uh, subjected to personal jurisdiction there, at least, although his company is based in New York. He, his primary residence is in the Bahamas and he has a secondary residence he claims in Canada, and he says New York can't can't bring any kind of uh, action against him personally. I don't think he has those same defenses for his corporation having it based in, in New York, but it's interesting. I mean, it, it, he's definitely facing a lot of allegations, very similar allegations. These 57 women, many of whom were 14, 15, 16 years old when this happened.
0: And if I, if someone did that for their son, like the woman that the kids, the teen boys, had sex with was Nygaard's girlfriend. She's claiming, or the, the claim is that Yeah, She had sex with his teenage sons so they could become men, lose their virginity. What's the charge there? If he he says, you know, is that like prostitution or forced sex? What is that exactly? What is the charge?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, so there's lots of different charges that can be brought if you sexually abuse someone. So he did this, you know, he orchestrated this. So he can be in a civil charge, like civil allegation here. He's being charged um, or sued for money damages, Mm. um, for sexually assaulting them, arranging the sexual assault and perpetuating the sexual assault. She may face criminal charges. He might also face criminal charges. It's all still under investigation. But these boys are suing for money damages years apart. I think 14 years apart, the same woman. That's right. I had sex with them. And um, one was 14 and one was 15. Mm. And, um, you know, it was all orchestrated by the dad. And so he, I think if, you know, if these things are true, then... He's going to owe not only the boys, but these 57 women a lot of money. Oh. he's worth $900 million. He's the wealthiest, Oof. one of the wealthiest entrepreneurs from Canada.
0: That's right. It's mm. disgusting. It's child abuse, man. It's awful. I mean, I hate to even bring it up. I'd rather talk about periods, which yeah. we were talking about a minute ago. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just that Damn. bad. It's gross. Lisa, and I, I mean, if it's all true, of course, I hope he gets. And I, I think his defense of, oh, it's uh, not this jurisdiction and all that, that makes me think, as an emotional juror, oh he did he's hiding something he's hiding something he's, his defense is oh you can't he's do guilting. it yeah because you did it it's a different jurisdiction who cares lisa lanier our official attorney of this program takes on any case period <laughs> we bring it up oh, yeah. period he does it <laughs> that's good i like where you did that <laughs> i did that one right didn't I? Well, so you didn't know you did it <laughs> that's how good i am dave i say it i don't even know i say all right it. She will be with us every week at this time and anytime legal news breaks. Lisa, thank you very much as always.
1: Absolutely have a great weekend. Uh, you as well.
0: Find her at com or hire a heavyweight.com. She's president there.